Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode on Movius Ministries podcast. This is your friend and brother in Christ, Josiah. Um, welcome to part five, as today we're going to be getting into, again, knowing your identity in Christ. I have been loving this series that we've been going through. We've been going through Romans 7 today. Uh, it's going to be a surprise what chapter we're going to go through because I have a perfect setup of how we're going to, how I'm going to like present everything. It, it was super cool how the Lord kind of directed my hands when I was typing this out yesterday. But, and then we looked at, um, we looked at Ephesians 1, we looked at Colossians 1, we looked at Ephesians 2, and it just, it's really helping us understand our identity in Jesus Christ, the one who saved us from our sins, saved us from the wrath to come, and essentially that that's it. That's the beauty of the gospel. And the gospel is it means the good news. And um you can't have the good news without the bad news. So when we evangelize to people, when we tell them, you know, Jesus died for you, um that is not a very loving thing to do. It's 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 half of a loving thing, if that's the way you want to translate it. But um, they don't know what he died for, and so this is where we have to come with the full gospel. And um, it's that you're a sinner, and before a holy God, um, and. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for our sins. And for all those who trust in him, who rely on his righteousness, who rely on him to be in right standing with God, you're saved. You're saved from God's wrath, uh, the wrath to come, or the wrath that's happening right now, um, in however God wants to present that. So here on Movius Ministries, I, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank God, do my best to interpret scripture, help you grow in your intimacy with the Lord, encourage you to remain steadfast through tough seasons, and continue to be prepared for the second coming of Christ. If you're if you are new to my podcast or have been listening for some time now, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Over two years ago, God told me to start this podcast and start using the teaching gift that He has given me. My only prayer in today's episode is that God's will is done in your life. If you have any questions or comments about today's sermon or you want to contact me about anything that you want prayer for or just a, you need help in a difficult situation or a, a tough trial that you're going through right now, please don't hesitate. I'm here to help. I am the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's um, disciple. Uh, you can email me at josiahmovius12 at yahoo.com. Um, I have many people in my life who I'm discipling right now. Um, I'm actually getting coffee with someone tomorrow and the next day. And those are two people that I'm, that I'm actually discipling. So, um, God has entrusted me with those people and I'm humbled by that. So, uh, yep. My email will be in the description below. It's josiahmovius12 at yahoo.com. The verse of the day is, I had to close my, had to close my closet. Uh, Isaiah 55 verses 2 and 3. Isaiah 55 is a pretty um a pretty well-known chapter. We all know the uh, we all know verse 8 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. A lot of us know that verse, and a lot of people take that verse out of context. <laughs> but let's read verses 2 through 3. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your earnings for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and let your soul delight in abundance. Incline your ear to listen and come to me here so that your soul may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies promised and shown to David. So abundance, where it says, um, and let your soul delight in abundance, there's a footnote here. And it can literally mean fatness. Let your soul delight in fatness. Interesting. Um, It seems here that maybe what's going on, that God is pointing someone away from something that they're not supposed to be going towards and pointing them back to... Uh, what's best for them. And today, I'm going to, I guess, say to you, have you had a day where you're struggling with sin? Did you relapse on something and you just feel really bad about it? I get that. I've I've had those days. And those days suck. (laughs) I've had my days where where I've relapsed with pornography. Thank God I have, I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a while, by the grace of God, where I haven't, I don't, I don't go on those websites. Um, I've been set apart. I've been born again. Um, saved by God's grace. Um, and I'm going to do my best now to encourage you to know your identity in Christ for those who are in Him. So let's open in prayer. Father, thank you so much for my podcast and how you continue to use me to equip the body and glorify your name. I do pray, Lord, for living understanding. I pray you'd reveal your son. Um, give us the the fatness that we need, Lord, as we just read in Isaiah. And just give us confidence and childlikeness in you, Lord. Father, please give me energy. I'm tired and I need your help. It's been a long day, and I have a long message prepared here, uh, which I believe to be crafted by your hand. Uh, Reinvigorate me, Holy Spirit. Help me in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, uh, you know what? Just in case, if you you want to know the song that's playing in the background, this is a song that we haven't played in a while. Um... I used to play it a long time ago, and I, I saw it on here, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have to play this one. This is called Emmanuel by Weldner Worship. This is, I used to play this one a lot, and I, I like this song a lot. So, Last week, we looked at Romans chapter 7. We looked at our relationship with the law, and what I mean by our, when I say we looked at our relationship with the law, what I mean by our is those who are grafted into Christ, those who are saved, saved from the wrath to come. We see near the end of Romans 7, Paul is struggling with the law. He saw he was he was struggling with what he calls members in verse 23, waging war against his mind. Then verse 25, Paul says, how can I get out of this? Essentially, that, that's what he says. 
Look at how messed up I am. I am wretched, poor in spirit. He then looks to the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, for deliverance. And today, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. As a continued thought from this ongoing, never-ending battle that we seem to struggle with as sin, as Paul did as well, as we, uh, as we just read through Romans chapter 7. So Romans 8.1, the title here is Escape from Bondage. And when you just look at that title, beloved, it seems that's what the person's dealing with in Romans 7. And I broke down uh, a certain false teaching that I think is true and, and that, that people think Romans 7 is about someone who's not grafted into Christ. And I, I if you did not hear my take on that, I really encourage you, please go listen to it. I really tried to elaborate why I think that's not true. I went really deep into it. I didn't just say a couple things. I really went deep. So if that's something that you've heard and you've, you've been worried and you've kind of second guessed your, your salvation or your place in Christ, please go listen to that. When I came across that knowledge and, and that seed was planted on my mind, I got really scared and the Lord really started to reassure me. So verse 1, a lot of us know this verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. We're going to be reading out of the Amplified today, beloved. No guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. This is from David Guzik. Uh, there, is no, there is therefore no, now no condemnation. The simple declaration of no condemnation comes to those who are in Christ Jesus. Since God the Father does not condemn Jesus, neither can the Father condemn those who are in Jesus. They are not condemned. They will not be condemned and they cannot be condemned. Romans 8.1 can even go along with John 3.18 out of the Amplified Bible. Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one, there is no judgment, no rejection, and this last one, no condemnation. Now that's the Amplified, so that's helping you understand what it means to not be judged. Now I looked really deep into some footnotes that I found in verse 1 for Romans 8.1 in other versions. Um... I looked at some other footnotes. You know, different versions have different footnotes. And so I looked at different footnotes for different versions. And there was a part in, in here in Romans 8.1 that made me think for a little bit. There are some versions, depending on which translation you read, and we'll get into, you know, what translations we're, I'm, I'm going to elaborate on. So just hang in, hang in here with me. There are some versions that add into the words after Romans 8.1, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There are some translations that add those words after who are in Christ Jesus. Those words are, are added in some ways in certain translations. Now this made me question if this is, if this is actually found in early manuscripts. The KGV has part of the verse in Romans 8.1 with no footnotes. So the KJV does have that in there at Romans 8.1, the, the who walk not according to flesh, but according to the spirit. But the NKJV described that part of the verse is to be omitted. John 3.18 doesn't have any 
uh, footnote based on all the uh, I didn't look at all the translations but I, I looked at a good chunk of them doesn't have any footnote that would be similar to what we read here in the latter part so okay I'm sorry I'm kind of what I'm trying to say is John 3.18 where Jesus says whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Lord and Savior is not judged for this one there's no judgment no no rejection no condemnation I tried to look at other translations that would have a footnote that would sound similar to what we're looking at what is added to Romans 8.1 and I couldn't find anything um, so to me personally I don't think we need to pay attention to this this part that's wondering you know is this found in early manuscripts because if we go to John 3.18, if we just if we just look at it the way it is, even in accurate translations like the NASB or the ESV, it seems that those who have put their trust in Jesus, there is no judgment or condemn, condemnation. I even I can feel the peace of the Holy Spirit right now, even as I say that. Okay. Now I have also wondered. I, I've also wondered it this way as well. Um, the. What I mean by this is the added part that we're still talking about in Romans 8.1. When it says, who walk not according to the flesh, I wonder if it's saying, if you are in Christ, you don't walk in the flesh. Instead of making you think you have a choice uh, to not walk according to the flesh, it's actually something the Holy Spirit does in you if you are in Christ. Saying if you're, if for those who are in Christ, they don't walk in the flesh. That's... That's one way I've tried to wonder if that's what it's if that's the way it's supposed to be interpreted if that's found in early manuscripts. That this is something automatic if you are in Christ. Now, for example, one verse that I'd go to to kind of back up that claim that I'm saying is first uh, John 3 9 out of the ESV. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keeps on keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. I do have a water in today's episode, just to let you guys know. It seems that verse right there, 1 John 3, 9, is saying, If you are born of God, you do not practice sinning. Which means we don't have to figure out if we are practicing sin or not. I feel like we do this. I, I used to do this. And the Lord really... Open my eyes to this verse, beloved. The scripture says, "If you are born, if you are born again, reborn from above, you don't practice sin. It's not something you have to figure out. It's rather embracing who you are in Christ." David Guzik says it like this: "Who, now, okay, here we go. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Guzik says it this way: "These words are not found in." earliest ancient manuscripts of the book of Romans, and they do not agree with the flow of Paul's context here. They were probably added by a copyist who either uh, made a mistake or thought he could, doing air quotes, help Paul by adding these words from Romans 8.4. Now, we'll, we'll get to that verse in a second, Lord willing. I hope that made, that made sense, kind of everything I try to break down there. Um, I also prayed as I was typing this out yesterday um, 
that I was explaining this rightly, teaching it rightly, and I felt God tell me that he was giving me understanding. So, that's been one of my most common prayers lately over myself and over the body of Christ, just for, for living understanding. So, verse 2, For the law of the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 2 here is showing us how there is no condemnation for us, who are, for us who are in Christ. It's showing us how. Because the law of the spirit of life, since there is no condemnation, which again, the Amplified describes it as um, there is no guilty verdict, there is no punishment. Because we have been set free from the law of sin and death. Paul, Paul says early on in his second letter to Corinth, he says that the spirit, that, that the letter kills, and what he means by letter there is the law. He says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Verse 3, For what the law could not do, that is overcome sin and remove its penalty, its power, being weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man by offering for sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it, and overcame it in the person of his own son, so that the righteous and the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness in our sinful nature, but by but live our lives in the ways of the spirit guided by his power. Now, I understand why someone may have added in what we read earlier in verse 1, but that does still not make it right. I understand how they would get that from those verses that we just read, but that's not right. My take on verses 3 through 4 is essentially this. What we could not do through the law, Christ did for us. Because he loved us and gave himself up for us. Now, we are going to get into a little bit of Greek today's episode. Not a whole lot, but just a little bit. Verse 5 here. For those who are living according to the flesh, set, remember that word set, their minds on the things of the flesh which gratify the body. But those who are living according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit, his will and purpose. So when it says the things of the Spirit, that is his will and purpose. Jesus says, the one who does the will of my Father will be my brother and sister. Now this word set, that we, that we said we'd come back to near the beginning of verse 5, is really interesting to see what, it's really interesting to see what this really means. Because the moment we start to think that it means to think about sinful things, I think we're going down the wrong path. I'm encouraging you guys to not sin, to not do that, but there are moments when when, when, when we will. We will mess up. Galatians 5 talks about this. I tried looking at some definitions on Blue Letter Bible, but I couldn't find anything super wow-like. But let's look at this verse here in Matthew 16, 23. Many of you know this verse. This is out of the ESV. But he, meaning Christ, that should be capitalized. There we go. 
he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance. Hindrance there can also translate into a stumbling block. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting. It's the same word. That's what we're going to look at. You are setting your mind on the... You, 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 you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I think what it looks like to set your mind on the things of the flesh... The definition of it means to not have an active repentance in mind. Because when we do repent and we simply pray about it, then we do uh, what the latter part of verse 5 says. But those who are living according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, His will and purpose. Verse 6, Now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace, the spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God both now and forever. The mind of the flesh, with its sinful pursuits, is actively hostile towards God. It does not submit itself to God's law since it cannot. And those who are in the flesh, living a life that caters to sinful appetites and impulses, cannot please God. Now, I'm going to go off note real quick for, for verse 8 real quick. There may be many of you that have heard preachers maybe say something about verse 8 and say those who are living in the flesh and they'll just start calling out people that are falling into sin. But I love what Paul Washer says. He says there's a difference between habitually sinning and struggling with sin. There is a difference. I know the way I used to live before I came to Christ and I was habitually sinning. I was a child of the devil. I was sleeping around, watching porn, God knows how many times in a day. Uh, I had a small alcoholic problem and I, I didn't have any 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 remorse I didn't care I enjoyed it I liked my sin and then God gave me a new heart he changed me I there's nothing by what I did it was all him and so to understand verse 8 and this is why I love the Amplified Bible so much because it helps us truly understand what's being said in the Greek language behind you know, who's ever writing, whether it's Paul or Peter or John or James. I'm trying not to yawn. I'm so sorry, you guys. I've been up since 6.30. So, so it says, it says, it translates living in the flesh as someone living a life that caters. I mean, living a life that caters. That, that in and of itself shows that this person's life is they don't care about their sin. They don't care. And I'm not going to, you know, sit in my chair here and say that self-righteously, but with a broken heart. And this is, this is the, you know, Paul says in Philippians 3, I write this to you with tears, that there are some of those who reject the way of salvation, the cross, 
and their God is their belly. That seems verse 8 is talking about them. So this is this is this is why this is let, let me let me let me just prove to you why why I think verse 8 is talking towards those type of people. Verse 9. However, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by sinful nature, but in the spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you, because if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. Verse 10, if Christ lives in you, through your though your natural body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness which he provides. This is what Christ does. This is what he does. Going back to verse 9 real quick. However, you are not living in the flesh, but in the spirit. How do you know if you're living by the spirit? You find yourself dead in your sin, but your spirit is made alive because of righteousness in Christ. That's how you know. And verse 11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. A lot to think about in those verses. It may seem confusing. I know it it was for me a little when I was reading and preparing this message. The way I understand this is again, there are moments when we do set our minds on sin. Um, but if we are born again, this should hurt us, whether it's big or small. Um, we have the Romans 7, I do what I don't want to do moment. This is the regeneration of the Holy Spirit leading us to life and peace and giving us assurance of salvation. Verse 12 So then, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but not to our flesh, our human nature, our worldliness, our sinful capacity, to live according to the impulses of the flesh, our nature without the Holy Spirit. For if you are living according to the impulses of the flesh, you are going to die. But if you are living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to death the sinful deeds of the body. You will really live forever. Now, I guess going off note real quick, where it says, if you're living by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually putting to the sinful deeds of the body. I think that means disciplining yourself. Uh, Paul, in one of his letters, talks about how he uh, strictly disciplines his body. Uh, so that, that, that that's one way. Um, I mean, Galatians 5 is just so insightful about our battle with sin. It's so comforting. It's so reassuring. So just going back to my notes, we will have moments of living in the flesh. Galatians 5 talks about this. Earlier on in Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. How do we know then if we are doing the second part of verse 13, which is um, the second part is by uh, living by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's seeing his evidence in our lives. 
love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how we know. When you read Galatians 5.22, when it says the fruit of the Spirit, the Greek there means that is the, this is how you know if the Holy Spirit is living in you. It says, um, I'll just read it really quick. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of His presence within us is love, joy, peace, patience. That's a, that's the other word I forgot to mention. Sorry. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Verse 14. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is almost a very, this is very close to what Paul says in, in verse 9. I'll read verse 9 really quick. However, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by sinful nature, but but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. Um, verse 15. This is this. These are the verses that we know really well. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry. Remember that word cry. We're going to get really deep into that in the Greek. Cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. I'm going to go off note for verse 16 in one second, Lord willing. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessings and inheritance. I love that part right there, sharing his spiritual blessings and inheritance. We just went over in Ephesians that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. If indeed we share in his suffering so that we may also share in his glory. And Paul's there talking about eternal life. I, I, that, that, that's what I would think. Um, so verse 16 real quick. The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. I did an episode on my podcast a while ago about assuring our hearts that we are his children. It has so many moments where I would be in a worship moment. And I would just have moments of literally crying out, Abba. I mean, maybe not yelling, but I would, you know, I'd hear myself. And, um... Verse 16 here would run through my mind and I wouldn't hear the Holy Spirit say that I'm his child and I would literally get so confused. Uh, And then I listened to a sermon or a a small podcast by John Piper about this and it gave me a lot of reassurance. Then I broke down um, how when we cry, Abba, Father, that right there is the Spirit himself testifying, confirming with us that we are his children. That is the Holy Spirit saying out of you 
who you are to him. And this is where we get so caught up in our feelings again. Like, oh, I don't feel it. But it's like, I get it. It feels good to feel things. It feels good to feel peace. It feels good to feel joy. It feels good to laugh. It feels good to, I had a really good workout today and I felt really, really good. The last three workouts I've had, I've had the, the, the two out of the three, I have been experiencing emotions that I've never felt before. And it, they, it, it hasn't been like a, it's not like a, it's not a sinful kind of feeling. It just feels like, it just feels really good. I don't know what it is, but my emotions just feel really, really good. And I have just been thanking God in those moments. But the truth of the matter is, beloved, this is the truth. You've had moments of crying out to God, Abba, Father, that is the Holy Spirit speaking through you, assuring you that you are his, uh, his child. So David Guzik says it like this, We cry out, Abba, Father. It is easy for us to think of Jesus relating to the Father with this joyful confidence. But we may think we are disqualified. Okay, I think I messed up these notes. Yeah, I messed up my notes. It, I, I think the sentence like cut off like halfway. So I'm just going to get rid of that. Sorry, guys. Oh my gosh, that's super embarrassing. <laughs> we did a message here on my podcast in season 22, episode 215, about assuring our hearts that we are his children. It was a really, uh, really good message. But I remember listening to a sermon by John MacArthur recently, and John elaborated on this Greek word for cry. And John stated that in the Greek, this word can mean the following. A loud, urgent cry from someone in profound suffering, someone in fear, terrified, someone in pain, someone in loss, someone who is deeply needy. I love that one. I can relate with that a lot. And I'm sure you can too. If you can't, okay. Beloved, you want to know if you're saved, you want to know if you're grafted into Christ, if you are his beloved, if your name is found in the book of life. If you have the Holy Spirit, you are the one that is um katrolagizo. It's the Greek for sealed for the day of redemption when Christ returns. I have the Greek word for a curse in here actually. That's not the word that I wanted to use. So, forgive me. That's the word katora amai. Katora amai is uh, that that's curse, uh, and then cursing is katora. Um, I got that when we studied the book of James. Anyway, have you had moments where you're in you're in fear, you're terrified, you're in pain, you feel really needy, and you just keep going to God? That is you crying out, Abba, Father. Verse 18, for I, can, for I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us and in us. For even the whole creation, all nature 
awaits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. And when you see that word, when you see that word cry, and how we just translated it in the Greek, the context makes all the more sense as Paul talks in verse 18 about sufferings of this present life. I want to read that. I want to say that one more time. When you see that word cry and how we just translated it in the Greek, the context makes all the more sense as Paul talks in verse 18 about sufferings of this present life. Paul says, Uh, He says present life because he hoped in what he could not see, but knew that he would see it one day and he would receive it one day and that it would be his inheritance as well as all the other saints. Again, Guzik says it like this, being a child of God also means having an inheritance. In Luke 18, 18, the rich young ruler asked Jesus, what must I do to to inherit eternal life. But the rich young ruler missed the point because inheritance is not a matter of of, of doing. It is a matter of being, of being in the right family. Going back where it says revealed in us, the coming glory will not only be revealed to us, but it will actually be revealed in us. And this could you could refer this towards our resurrected bodies that we'll have. Verse 20, for the creation was subjected to frustration and fertility, not willingly because because of some intentional fault on its part on its part, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be freed from its bondage and de- to decay and gain inheritance into, into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I want to read that one more time. I'm closing in on 40 minutes here, and I've got a little bit more to to talk about. So, okay. For the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be also freed from its bondage to decay and gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So my paraphrase for those two verses would be God allowed evil to happen. He allowed it to happen. He didn't himself do it. James says that um, God cannot be tempted by evil. I, I I think that's the wording that James uses there but that he allowed it to happen. It's almost like Job. Job allowed Satan to afflict him. Jesus said, you know, Luke 22, Satan is asked to sift you. You there in the Greek uh, actually is plural. So uh, Satan actually asked to sift all the disciples. Let's think about that. To sift you like wheat. Sift there in the Greek, uh, it can translate into to Uh, to aggravate one internally, to overthrow one's faith. My my, My paraphrase 
for those two verses would be God allowed evil to happen to then show his goodness, not by any favoritism of man, but out of his own grace and mercy to then fix all things through Christ. So verse 22, and for, uh, for we know that the whole creation has been moaning together as in the pains of childbirth until now. But not only this, but we too, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, a joyful indication of the blessings to come, even we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the sign of our adoptions as Son, the redemption and transformation of our body at the resurrection. So he's talking about the resurrected body, which we read about in 1 Corinthians 15. For in this hope, we were saved by faith, but hope, the object of which is seen, is not hope. What is we know he we know we know Hebrews eleven one really well. For in this hope we are saved by faith. But hope, the object of which is seen, is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait eagerly. F- for it with patience and composure. I, I love the wording right there. I absolutely love it. it. It makes so much sense. This was a verse I was. This was the verse I was referring to earlier about Paul putting his hope in what was not yet seen. Paul was uh, talking here about our hope for eternal life by our faith in Christ for our sins, which then has sealed us for the day of redemption. Now these are the other verses that that we know really well, and I have, I've had these moments. I've seen, I've, I've, I've had these moments. Excuse me. In the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not, we do not know what to pray or offer, or how to offer it as we should. But the Spirit Himself knows our need. And at the right time, intercedes on our behalf and with sighs and groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart, searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the spirit is, because the spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people, or you could say the saints, in accordance with God's will. Think about that. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. The Holy Spirit prays for God's will in your life. Think about that. Guzik Guzik again says it like this, groanings which cannot be uttered. This help from the Spirit may include praying with the spiritual gifts of tongues, 1 Corinthians 14.2 and verses 14-15 through 15 as well. But it is certainly not limited to praying in an unknown tongue. I saw that note and it was super, super interesting to me. And then at the end where it says, according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit's help in intercession is perfect because he searches the hearts of those whom he helps. And he is able to guide our prayers according to the will of God. I love this. This is the beauty and the wonderful leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
His leadership is perfect and it, it leads us in all the right and wonderful ways. He is so wonderful. I have had days where they just get really rough, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, mentally, whatever you want to call it. And I've had moments where I get alone with God here in my room. I kneel down and have moments of utter silence before the Lord. I've definitely had this verse cross my mind in these moments about the Holy Spirit praying for me in those in those moments. I've also had Psalm 139.2 cross my mind that says, um, He is fully acquainted with all my ways. We went over Psalm 143 a while ago here on my pod. And, uh, it was called uh, Search Me, Oh God. I think it was titled. I forget which episode it was, but you can check it out if you want. It was super, super enlightening. Verse 28, And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. Verse 29, For those whom he foreknew, he loved and chose beforehand. He also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son and ultimately share in the complete in his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. How do we know, or sorry, how do we have, as the Amplified likes to describe doing air quotes, knowing that God works all things together for good with confidence. Just just going back, it says right here, and we know with great confidence. How do we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him with a great confidence? Excuse me, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. How do we have that knowing with confidence? How do we know God works things all for good for those who love him with confidence? We find it in verse 29. Because those he foreknew, he predestined. Those who are predestined are called to his plan and purpose as we love him because he first loved us. I added that part. So that he works all things for good for those he has, he has predestined. Verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those who he called, he also justified, declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, raising them to a heavenly dignity. What then shall we say to all these things? What are all these things? All these things we've read up to verse 31, beloved. If God is for us, who can be successful against us? My translation for this verse, verse 31, how can anyone be successful against us if God works all things out for good for those who he has called and saved? How? They can't. Hallelujah. Verse 32, he who did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? 
What does Jesus say in the parable of um, persistent prayer? The man wakes up in the morning, or he, he his friend wakes him up at night, and he needs some food. He doesn't help him out. But he keeps badgering him. He's like, okay, I'll give you food. And Jesus goes, if you being wicked by nature know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will God bless you with what you need? Paul says in Philippians that 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 God will meet all of your needs in Christ Jesus. Verse 33, who will who will bring any charge against God's elect, his chosen ones? Is it God who justifies us, declaring us blameless and putting us in right relationship with himself? Who is the one to condemn us? Some of you guys listen to my podcast about Black Hebrew Israelites. This is the verse that I would use that would be really encouraging for me in moments when I when I have fears of the conversation that I had with them. It still happens. I still do have fears sometimes. I went to the auto show on Friday and I went back to Detroit and there were parts of me that got a little bit triggered again. I have someone that I reached out to to ask them for prayer. Christ, so continuing verse 34, Christ Jesus is the one who died to pay for the penalty, and more than that, who was raised from the dead, and who is at the right hand of God, interceding with the Father for us. Hebrews 7 talks a lot about this, how Jesus intercedes over us. Verse 35, who shall ever separate us from the love of Christ? Who? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, just as it is written, and forever remains written, for your sake we are put to death all the day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors, and gain an overwhelming victory, through him who loved us so much that he died for us. Verse 38, For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is your identity, beloved. If you relate with the Romans 7 controversy so much constantly of doing what you don't want to do and you hate what you do, I had those moments today. I really did. I had a really weird, erotic dream last night and it irritated me. I listened to a podcast today by John Piper about erotic dreams and it was super insightful i got a lot of good insight and i and i i hated that i kept thinking about the dream that i had if that is you if that is the daily struggle for you maybe it's not even daily but whenever it happens you feel bad about your sin this is your king This is who you are in him. So for those of you listening on Spotify, I have a question and a poll that you can answer down below. 
Um, I have been looking at some of the analytics. I have a lot more listeners on Apple Podcasts than Spotify, but that's fine. My question for you who are listening on Spotify, has has this Series 5... Has this series, five weeks in, now helped you stand more confident in Christ? And don't worry, I've got like one, two, three. We might be doing this for like another month because I've got so many scriptures that I'm that I'm gonna get into, and I'm so excited, Lord willing. So has this series, five weeks in, now helped you stand more confident in Christ? And the poll that I have for you is, has this series helped you battle sin better and to resist it more? Well, amen and amen, beloved. That is my message about knowing your identity in Christ, part five. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this message. As we looked into Romans chapter 8, we look at the beauty of your Son. Father, I pray for my listeners week, for the rest of the weekend, that they be led by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead them. Lead them in their understanding, in their emotions, in their thoughts. I pray that you would reveal your son, Father. Send workers into the harvest. Help people with their stress, God. Whatever stress they're dealing with, help them. Come down and meet them where they're at, Abba. Help people to trust you. Protect us in our dream realm, Lord. Help us to be disciplined. And I pray this all in your son's precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I really hope you enjoyed that. Um, you can send it to send my podcast to a friend. You can rate my podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, again, if you have any questions or anything, you can email me at my email. It's in the description below. Um, my eyes are literally falling asleep. I'm so tired right now. I've been up since 6.30, and i got to be up again at 6.30 tomorrow morning. Lord willing. Next week, uh, I'm not going to share what we're going to talk about, but we're going to get in. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at one of the epistles um, to, to understand our identity in Christ even more. Beloved, thank you so much for listening to today's episode as we we dove even deeper as we looked at the famous Romans chapter 8 into understanding our identity in Christ. This is your friend Josiah. God loves you.